In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. You're very welcome to the Brendan Option, coming to you courtesy of Immaculata Productions. I'm Father Brendan Kilcoyne. If you like our work, would you hit the subscribe button, uh, which costs you nothing, by the way. Uh, but if you wish it to cost you something, you could throw us a few quid on Patreon or PayPal. Throw a comment into the comment box. Uh, uncritical, lavish praise is generally prioritised. And above all, will you remember us uh, in your prayers? Uh, and, and by the way, we do mean that last one. We need the prayers. I was at uh, the, the night with Jordan Peterson in the Three Arena in Dublin. Uh, I went up there with uh, my brother-in-law and his son, my nephew. And um, I must say, it was a fantastic night. Uh, it just inspires me to kind of recap again a little bit on the whole Peterson phenomenon, if I may call it that. I, I found it fascinating in a country which has secularised at a breakneck pace that there is still obviously a deep appetite for consideration of the great questions in life. And there is a genuine hunger for, for a, a, an honest and forensic approach to them. A genuine appetite, I would say as well, for a charismatic uh, presentation of those issues, for, a, for charismatic leadership in the intellectual and, dare I say it as well, in the spiritual life. Now, I know you'll say that's dangerous. It is dangerous. Of course it's dangerous. Nearly anything worth a damn is dangerous. Okay, so we can park that straight away. It's dangerous. I watched an enormous facility. What does it seat? About 10,000? Something like that. Phil, it was quite something to even watch that. Because being Irish, we all sort of came thundering in about the last 20 minutes. And I watched it, Phil, to hear this slightly built restless Canadian academic with the intense stare who had his notes spread out on the stage, on the floor so that he could, so he could look at them wander about and think aloud to himself and he did it awfully well it's a very interesting phenomenon Peterson himself says that young men are starting to dress better to go to his to, to his talks and he makes an effort to dress well for his talks and I did notice a certain amount of that a very definite amount of that not wanting to let the side down I went in full fig and in collar and, 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 and the whole bit I said I'm not going to let these young pups um, outshine me in sartorial matters I thoroughly enjoyed the evening I don't think he was breaking a sweat himself I think he's such a master of what he's doing at this stage that he, he, just, he just walks around talking and it's enough. Nice work if you can get it. But of course one doesn't see the years of study and of clinical practice that have made it possible to paraphrase his own words only slightly to be in a position where he knows ten times more than he's talking. Yeah, I think that's pretty much the way he put it, is that doing something like that, you need to know a multiple of times more than what you're talking. You need to know a lot. And then 
you can just walk up and down with your hands in your pockets or whatever and muse brilliantly uh, to the evident satisfaction of an enormous crowd. I thought the questions at the end were revealed more about the Irish than anything we could have said about ourselves in that they were so obsessed with Ireland. Uh, I thought there was a very uh, hibernocentric uh, quality. You like that word? I like that word. Uh, quality to the questions, you know. What do you think of Irish unity? It was perfectly clear that he, he was only dimly aware of the admittedly Byzantine sort of ins and outs of Irish politics and history. He very charmingly referred to Sinn Féin, I think it was, uh, Sinn Féin and, and all the rest. And, but again, he was, he was dead straight about that and he made some excellent points. Is that uh, re- reform, the individual reforming his or herself is absolutely crucial to any peace process or process towards unity in any country. Is that we, we really must tackle the devil within you know, before we go searching for him abroad. He was asked a question about Irish drinking, and you may be surprised at my focusing on that, but he he rattled me a bit. He did rattle me. You see, I've had a theory for a long time, which is not remotely original, uh, is that a lot of drinking is climatic. Now, he, he climatically uh, conditioned. Now, now he, he confirmed that to an extent, in that, you know, the northern Europeans tend to drink quite a bit. The further north, the more drink, I think. Uh, the, 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 the Irish, the Scots, even some of the French, the Germans, the Scandinavians, uh, the Poles, the Russians are hard drinkers. But then you have long, miserable winters and, and short, unpredictable summers, and you can see it. And sure enough, he talked about drinking quite hard when he was a young man, growing up in uh, Alberta in Canada. And he said again, you know, the climate and that kind of thing. But he was said, basically, he was fairly hitting the iced vodka around 14, which I must say impressed me. If I was smoking the occasional cigarette at that time, I'd have considered myself mad, bad and dangerous to know. Uh, but this was iced vodka. My goodness. And, and, and said that he basically drank, he drank pretty hard right into his 20s. Stopped drinking because he didn't want the kids to see him with drink on him. Um, which I liked, and I've known a few men to do it, you know, which I, I think uh, says a lot for a man. Went back to it a bit later, and now now isn't drinking at all for a whole load of medical reasons, I think. Anyway, he said that alcohol was the hardest of the drugs, hardest on the system, and therefore one of the most dangerous, one of the most underrated. And he felt the Irish drank far too much. He said he had never seen so many people out of their skulls as he would see in Dublin when he visited. I was genuinely shocked by that because I've always felt that we got a hard time about drink because the Irish tended to drink very publicly, whereas the Northern Europeans in general would, would, would lick it out of a hole in the road. And he didn't strike me as the kind of man who just came out with things off the top of his head. He said it very deliberately and he was trying not to offend us. Now, I made that comment to my, my brother-in-law. I, I, I said, I never. He said, I said, sure, you'd see, wouldn't you see the same in London? 
on a Friday night or Saturday night and my brother-in-law said, have you been in Temple Bar lately? And I had to confess that I hadn't spent any time in Temple Bar for about any anything more than just walking through it during the day for about 30, 40 years. 30 years. And uh, he said it's changed quite a bit. All right. It was interesting. It was a very profitable night. This is a modern thaumaturge. This is a guy who is speaking prophetically. And it's interesting that he's doing that as, as somebody trained in empirical science, a clinical psychologist, but somebody also with a tremendous respect for the subjective, a tremendous appreciation of literature, but above all, a tremendous appreciation of the complexity of the human heart. He's this amazing ability to just say, well, the literature says this, or the literature says that, or when I was doing clinical research into that uh, in the University of, was it Toronto or, or wherever, and I, the authority with which the guy speaks, I mean, is just phenomenal. Look, I'm not coming down on one side or the other. This is a serious voice. This is a serious voice which needs to be listened to. Now, I would say the same about Slavo Zizek who's a communist, is just going that step beyond merely very intelligent commentary and isn't afraid to... I mean, Zizek's a material... You know, communism is materialist, and yet Zizek is a fan of G.K. Chesterton, whom he describes as my favourite theologist. We need to be listening to these people, and I, I, I wish to God it wasn't so bloody tribal, you know? Can't conservatives enjoy Zizek, who's a communist? Let's say liberals, for want of a better term, all right? You know what I'm talking about. Can't they enjoy Peterson? Instead of, oh, you're into Peterson, you listen to Ben Shapiro. Bad. That's bad. No, it's not bad. These are highly intelligent people. We, we need to be inspired and informed and educated by these people. Education goes on for one's whole life. So I was glad to go back to school. I was very happy to go back to school in the three arena. I was very happy to go back to school with the teacher who could control a class of 10,000 effortlessly while staring down at the stage half the time and wandering around and looking at his notes, which were on the floor. OK, I, I enjoyed being back in class and being taught. It doesn't infantilise you. Quite the opposite. If that dies in you, maybe you're already clinically dead. So I want to say thanks to Jordan Peterson from the bottom of my heart for coming to Ireland and for that tremendously stimulating and enjoyable address, a talk where he covered a, a huge amount of ground. And um, I think I would encourage you to listen to him. Uh, now, some will say the book isn't any great shakes. I wouldn't regard Peterson as a great writer. I would regard Peterson as a great teacher. I, I would say, and obviously, I mean, there's no question as to his ability as a scholar and a you know, clinical psychologist. I would say, no, go on to YouTube. Go on to, take in a few of his lectures. Take in a few of his talks. Take in an interview with him. And, and then see where that leads you. And then you may well wish to... Uh, to take it further and, 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 and read the books. Okay? Look, enjoy it. Enjoy it. And God bless you.
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.